Thank you, ladies, for uh, sharing that interview with us this morning. So meaningful. Uh, I want to show you the mask I'm wearing this morning in honor of, uh, if you can't see that, that's McDavid, number 97. Some of you might know about him. And uh, he, uh, you know, um, mums, you, you received your uh, Mother's Day gift, I feel, last night during the Oiler game with him uh, getting to 100 points in a season. And uh, great day to celebrate today, isn't it? Uh, actually, bigger purposes than that, for sure, in what we're going to be talking about, but in honor of, of our moms, truly. Uh, we thank God for you. And for some of you, this is a, a challenging day for a variety of reasons. And you are uh, in our thoughts and prayers today as well for God's strength. Uh, those of you that uh, maybe it's your first Mother's Day without your mom here, or, or some of you uh, ladies that want to be a mom and, and it's not happening. And uh, we, we, just, we just pray God's strength for you and honor uh, each one of you moms on this day. Hopefully every day, but especially today. In this uh, seven-week series, does the Bible really say that? We're looking at seven statements that are commonly accepted as coming from the Bible. And if you missed the last two uh, messages in this series, you can go back and catch up on that teaching. Uh, go to the, our YouTube channel, Eaglemont Christian Church YouTube channel, and, uh, and watch them there. Now, there are all kinds of uh, interesting and, and, and benign statements uh, or phrases in the English language. Um, let the cat out of the bag. We understand what that means. What I want to know is who let the cat out of the bag and where did the cat go? You know, big, big important questions like that. Or uh, how about this one? Barking up the wrong tree. Why does it have to be barking? And, and what tree would be the right tree? Well, there's probably a backstory to that and you can fill me in later after you uh, Google it. Or bite the bullet. Uh, please don't do this literally, especially if the bullet is moving at full, full velocity. Well, in this series, we're, we're not looking at innocuous statements like some of those. We're considering statements that have a little more bearing uh, and, and or influence on various elements of the Christian life. In our day, truth seems to matter a lot less in many than, than many things. Uh, surprisingly, some people still think that they're, uh, you know, always hearing the truth when they watch network news. I hate to break it to you, but you're probably not getting the whole story most of the time. Uh, what's the truth? Fair question. In many conversations these days, when there's a disagreement that appears to not be able to be settled, someone will likely end up saying, and you've probably heard this before, well, that's okay. You live your truth, and I'll live my truth. Such a strange statement, actually. Uh, that statement doesn't even hold up from a basic philosophical standpoint. Now, by definition, truth is not relative. I mean, try that philosophy on uh, something like gravity. No one would say, well, gravity, I mean, that, that may be true truth for you, but, but not for me. Of course not. There's such a thing as objective truth. And there's such a thing as falsehood. There's something called absolute truth. There is. And it's primarily found in the person of Jesus Christ and in the words that God made sure that were recorded in the Bible. 
for all of our benefit. So in this series, we're, we're, we're testing the veracity of commonly used phrases by the plumb line of the Bible, and we'll see that important truths can be distorted, sometimes unintentionally, but, but to the point where God's original meaning becomes lost or, or at the very least blurred. Listen to this statement and see when you think it may have been written. Truth is so obscured these days and lies are so well established that unless we love the truth and passionately seek it, we shall never recognize it. <laughs> that, could have been, that could have been written or, or said just yesterday. But that was actually 17th century Christian mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal who said that. Because human nature has never changed, truth can often be either intentionally obscured or unintentionally misquoted and then passed along as if it were truth. And actually, truth has always been under attack. Ever since Satan came to our first human parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, you can read about this in the third chapter of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And, and he planted doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve about what God had spoken. He, he said, did God really say, did, did God really say that? Was his question to them. God's word, uh, supernaturally written through human instruments, is the ultimate authority for truth. I'll state that clearly and confidently, always. And yet the purpose of this message is not to make the case for the historicity and the reliability um, of the Bible, but of course I'd be happy to share resources with you if that's a question uh, for you. Um, but we wholeheartedly believe that the Bible is the objective standard for truth that God saw fit to have written and to uh, carefully preserve, again, for our benefit. And it truly is for our benefit. The statements we're looking at in this series have uh, somehow um, caught on. <laughs> you may even hear some of them in movies sometimes, as I did recently. Can't even remember what I was watching, but the character, uh, thinking he was quoting from the Bible, said, money is the root of all evil. Tune in June 6th, actually, for, for that message specifically. You see, half-truths are still lies. As I heard someone say recently, beware of a half-truth because you may be holding the wrong half. Satan's work is to establish lies of all kinds. Jesus said it himself clearly that Satan's language is lying. In John 8, 44, uh, speaking about Satan, Jesus said there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Mm, point taken. Be aware. So, God helps those who helps, or God helps those who help themselves, is our statement today. God helps those who help themselves. Sounds inspirational. You've heard that phrase, I'm sure, and you may have even said it before. But does the Bible really say that? It's actually a statement that is often attributed to Benjamin Franklin, 
And although he may have popularized it in his day, it actually stems way back to ancient Greece. You see, a big part of the intent of that statement is the importance of, of showing initiative. And of course, that's a good thing. It, it's a statement that has been used, you know, when, when someone needs a kick in the butt to, to, toward uh, appropriate action in some way. And that's something we probably all need at times. So please don't misunderstand this message once we get into it. Initiative is good if we're following God's lead and trying to obey him with our action, as the New Testament book of James, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word, God's word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. <laughs> There's an appropriate and essential doing that helps us and others, and it's biblical, and it's Christ-honoring. But, but this phrase... God helps those who help themselves. One of, the most, one of the most subtle, because there's a side of it that's true, for example, as a Christ follower. If you pray for God's help to be a loving and courageous witness for Jesus in your sphere of influence, God, God will give you the power of the Holy Spirit for that purpose, if you ask him. Read Acts 1.8, clearly stated. But you still have to open your mouth to speak and to share the good news about Jesus' love and grace. This is not a message that says all you have to do in every situation is pray and sit back and do nothing. No, that's laziness and that's not honoring to God or inspiring to others. So what we're raising the warning about in this message is the idea that the phrase and the, and the ideology of God helps those who help themselves can too easily be Satan's way of saying, because you can't trust God, you got to do it your, yourself. You got to look out for number one, as that old BTO song says. And he, he tries to tell us, you can do everything that needs to be done for you in your life in every way to be fulfilled. Hmm. So, with that foundation and understanding, I want to highlight two points in this message, very simply. First, God helps those who help themselves. First of all, God helps those who help others. You see, God's people, whether the Israelites in the Old Testament or Christ followers in the New Testament, have always been expected by God to show his unconditional love to others. And again, not just in word, but in genuine deeds of kindness and grace and generosity and compassion and, and serving, uh, displaying God's character and love to everyone and most certainly those in need in various ways. I mean, you talk about something that gets God's attention in your life and not for what you can get out of him or from him by doing so, but just knowing that when your desire is, is simply to let God's love uh, flow through your life and, and to your desire is to love God well by, by loving others well, he will be right there with you, for you, enabling you, strengthening you, providing for you to help you make a positive difference in the lives of others. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing that, that many of you have experienced. And for so many of you, I know this is, this is, your, this is your way of, of living. It's your MO in daily life. It's your desire. So great. 
Way back in Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Old Testament, chapter 15, verse 10, simply says, give generously to, to the poor, God says, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do as you show generosity to those in need. And then in the New Testament, Jesus' words in Matthew 25, 31 to 40, uh, Jesus, words of Jesus about, about those he refers to as the sheep and goats and all of us are in one, at least one of those, uh, we're all in one of those categories. And, and to his sheep, in this passage, there, there will be a future time, Jesus says here, when he will say to them this, come, you are blessed by my father. You who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. You looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then, and then the sheep, his followers say, kind of what? In, in verse uh, 37, they're really? We did that? And it says this, Jesus says, the, the, the sheep will say in response, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? When, when was that? And the reply of Jesus, verse 40 in Matthew 25, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. In other words, those who are considered least in our world, in our, in our society. When you, Jesus is saying, when you showed care and compassion to them, you were serving and loving me. I mean, that's powerful. And, and again, to clarify, these deeds of kindness and grace and love are not, they are not about uh, securing our eternal salvation. It, it's not a trade. It's not a trade. Our works for God's eternal salvation. No, we can't earn the gift of salvation in our own efforts. But those good works do display that our walk with Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is genuine. You know this, many of you know this, that all around us are people who are not able to help themselves and, and God wants to help them. But most often, his help comes through uh, followers of Jesus who, who recognize that they are his hands and feet in this world. People with mental health issues that can't help themselves right now. Newcomers to Canada who, who are having a hard time adjusting to a new country. Poor people who need help so they can establish a, a self-sustaining uh, pattern. Uh, there, are, there are babies still in the womb who are in danger of being aborted. They can't help themselves. There are sick people who can't help themselves right now. My, my, my Christian friend, those of you that are Christ followers, this challenge is for, is for us. Especially, how, how might God want you to help people in circumstances like these. Think about that. Pray about that. Give thought to that. Please talk to God and, and let him lead you in being his hands and feet. Uh, what that could look like in your world. And then go and love God well by, by serving and loving and helping 
others. James 1.27 puts it this way. Pure and genuine, and he uses the term religion. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. You see, if you're using your, your time, uh, your money, your, your, and, and you're, letting, you're letting God's love just stream through your heart to others by helping others, that gets God's attention. It really does. He says, I, I can get behind someone like that and I will help them in their efforts to show my love to others th- through their life. God helps those who help others. Secondly, God helps those who humbly admit their need of God's help and grace. If the discussion has to do with how we receive eternal salvation, then that statement, God helps those who help themselves, is completely false. Completely. Because God helps those who recognize that they could never earn salvation nor earn entrance into God's eternal heaven by their good works. Those who recognize that they are helpless uh, to to save themselves are, are primed to be recipients of God's gracious help. You see, if someone doesn't think that they need God's help in this way or, or they're too proud to receive it, he won't, he won't force himself. He won't force his help on them as, as much as he hopes they'll be open to receive it. He won't force it. There's a letter in the New Testament called Romans. A guy by the name of Paul who used to be just totally opposed, aggressively opposed to these Christ followers in the first century until he supernaturally met Jesus himself. And the story is recorded historically in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And his life was changed. And he became one of the the greatest uh, spokespersons for the Christian faith that, that, that there ever was. Well, he wrote this letter called Romans to Christ followers in the city of Rome and in this letter, he makes a very stark contrast between human effort and the requirements of God. Look what he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He stepped in because there was nothing we could possibly do for ourselves to be eternally saved, eternally in God's family. And it's when we admit it our need, that he steps in to help and, and literally, literally rescues us from an eternity of separation from our creator who loves us most and knows us best. It's huge. It's powerful. You see, if we think that God helps those who help themselves in, in terms of being able to uh, earn our salvation, then we have a significant misunderstanding of what the, uh, the Bible says about the impact of our sin on our relational standing with God and, and thus our eternity. Eternity is a long time. Don't want don't want, don't want to mess with that. We need to understand that there's, that there's just no possible way for any one of us to work our way out of our sin problem and make ourselves eternally acceptable to God. Uh, I might sound like I'm repeating myself on that point today. I am. Intentionally so. Because it's, it's so important. And yet, it's, so, it's such, a, such a common misunderstanding. And for some reason, uh, many times, a very difficult one for, for people to, to get beyond. 
that they don't have to work their way to heaven. And yet good works are still a part of a vibrant, positively contagious Christian life. Isaiah 64 talks about this, puts it very directly. It's a book in the Old Testament. It says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. What? That sounds crazy. Now, before you get offended by this, God's not saying that you should not do righteous acts, as it's termed here, or, or deeds of kindness or good deeds. No, of course not. But just not as the way of trying to secure your eternal salvation. Because that's actually an offense to God because he already went all the way and, and, and went to great lengths to make the way possible for us to come to him eternally. This verse is simply saying that compared to what Jesus did on the cross, anything I might endeavor to do in an effort to secure my eternal salvation is worthless in comparison. Any effort that we may put forward will will fall far short of accomplishing the desired result of receiving God's forgiveness, which which was never intended to be something we could earn. It's not even possible. God's too holy. God's too perfect. The standard's too high. That's why the perfect son of God, God the son, stepped in for us. God's gift of salvation only, only comes by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as we choose to trust in him. And surrender our lives to him. Ephesians 2. The same guy I talked about a moment ago. Paul wrote this letter. Ephesians. A little little letter in the New Testament. To the Christ followers in the city of Ephesus. Uh, Chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Gift. Key word. You you don't work for those do you? Gifts. No. And then verse 18. Sorry verse 9. Uh, salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. Pretty clear words. So, God helps those who help themselves? Well, if, if understood rightly, it's partially true. In, in times when we need that kick in the pants, right? But what is completely true is that God helps those who can't help themselves. And that may be many of us at various times in our life. And that's definitely all of us when it comes to receiving God's eternal salvation. So in what ways today, what ways, as you sit where you are right now, alone or with somebody else or with your family, you can reflect on this together. And I pray that you would. In what ways do you need God's loving help right now? Because God is there, willing, more than willing, eager, desirous to help you, to lift you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to bring you into his family. He really is. Psalm 46.1, he's a very present help in time of trouble, that says. And you can look up those two verses on your own. No matter what you need, help is there for you from God today. And so please, look, look his direction. And simply say, Heavenly Father, please help me. Please help me. And then, and then rest in his love and his care that you will begin to see 
delivered to you. Maybe there's someone listening right now and, and you, don't, you don't know God personally at all as the Bible says that we all can. I want you to know that Jesus, as I've alluded to it already today in this message, that Jesus Christ voluntarily stepped in for you and, and took the penalty of sin, of your sin, upon himself when he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead three days later. And actually there was 500, did you know this? 500 witnesses to that fact. And it's a historically recorded factual events of his resurrection appearances. Because if he's not raised from the dead, we got nothing, right? But he did. To prove his power in our lives over, over sin and over death, which is eternal separation from him. He rose to give us eternal life. There's a New Testament verse, again, the book of Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, the, the, the result of sin, and we're all born in sin. The result of sin is, is death, which is a reference to eternal separation from our creator. But the gift of God, that verse says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so if today you want to accept the free gift that God offers you of eternal life and eternal personal relationship with him, I, I urge you to simply surrender your life to God today, to surrender your future, to surrender everything. He loves you most and knows you best. So that does not have to be a scary thing. You can express to him in a prayer something like this if that's your desire this morning. And if so, we'd love to hear about it to celebrate with you. You could pray something like, Jesus, I confess you as Lord and I surrender my life to you right now. I invite you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. Make me your child. I, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead by God's power so that I could live in, in a personal, eternal relationship with you, the one who created me. I receive you today. I surrender to you now. Guide me. Guide my life. Guide my future. Guide my relationships. Thank you for making me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, if you expressed that in your heart, God heard you. Maybe there was no verbal, but that there's this expression. It's good, it's good and important to verbalize it, to share it with somebody, what you did today. But God heard you. And right now, if you placed your faith in Christ in this moment, you are in his eternal family. So awesome. And if you did pray that prayer and express your desire to follow Christ and you talk to him in this moment, we'd love to hear about it, as I said. We, we just, seriously, we want to we wanna celebrate with you and we want to help you by giving you some resources that will, uh, will be uh, of assistance in establishing roots. Like any relationship, you invest in it and, and, and it grows and that's the way it is with our walk and relationship with Jesus. And so to help us uh, do that, to come alongside you in this way, I, I invite you to uh, scan the QR code on the screen and a link will pop up for you to leave us your contact information and thank you for trusting us with that we would just be more than happy you can also find that uh that form at eaglemont.info if you if you want to do that a little later or at any time but thanks for the opportunity uh to allow us to come alongside you in this way we're excited and i i just pray that god would let, i, I want to pray for everybody who heard this message today right now actually father we thank you that you are there to help you long to help us as we surrender to you, as we, as we trust in you, as we depend on you and not on ourselves. And as Christ followers, for every one of us, I pray that we would live and, uh, and walk that way in our daily lives for your honor 
and for inspiring others to follow you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.